the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Josh Pick is the Chief Investment Advisor with Aptus Wealth Management, a state-registered investment advisory firm. This program is sponsored by Aptus Wealth Management. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell financial vehicle. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with professionals to see if any ideas expressed would fit their specific situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Securities can fluctuate and when redeemed may be more or less than when originally invested. Welcome to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Every week, Josh will teach you ways to help manage, risk, and protect your retirement income in the new economy. The primary focus at Aptus Wealth is to provide flexible planning strategies that can efficiently achieve your long-term retirement goals. Besides every Saturday, you can also join Josh Mondays at 12.30 p.m. every Monday at 12.30 for Money Mondays. He joins Bruce Hooley right here on 98.9 The Answer. And you can always find that recording at Josh's website, aptuswealth.com. To schedule an appointment to go through the Aptus Blueprint process, Josh's number is 614-364-7300. That is 614-364-7300. Josh, it sure feels like the prices on everything are, everything is going up these days. How does that unfortunate trend impact retirement expenses, such as long-term health care? Well, there's a lot of stats that are out there on long-term health care. And, you know, when I, let's rewind the clock, go back about 20 years ago, the stats that we all kind of saw was about one in four people go into a long-term care facility and this stays about uh, two and a half to three years. That trend has changed. And now, while the stay is shorter, the average stay is about 18 months, there's about a coin flip chance that all of us are going to need some sort of care uh, at the end of our lives. Uh, So, you know, when you start to get to things like coin flip, you have to take into account that this might not just be an an anomaly, that most of us are going to enter a long-term care facility. And unfortunately, while we look at things like, you know, general inflation, et cetera, um, long-term care has gone up far faster than general inflation has over the last, even the last year, but the last 10 or 20 years. So if you look at, for example, you know, the median cost of uh, home health aid last year went up by almost 13%. The median cost of homemaker services, somebody coming in to help you around the house, has gone up by 11%. And that's obviously higher than the reported 6% increase on Social Security. So if you're living in retirement and a large chunk of your income is Social Security, you saw that go up by 6%, but you saw the cost of your healthcare go up dramatically more than that. And there's some other stats that we know, and that is, you know, 80% of people, myself included, would certainly like to stay in my home as long as I possibly can. Nobody is uh, kicking down the door of the long-term care facility to get in for the most part. Most of us want to stay home. So when you're looking at, you know, retirement planning, you can't ignore the fact, particularly if you're married, that there's a very significant chance that either one or both of you will need some help. And how are we going to pay for that, knowing that, you know, the inflationary rate of what that help is going to cost is going up dramatically? There's, it's not uncommon for us to hear, you know, costs at long-term care facilities uh, creeping up on the six-figure amount uh, per year. So you better do some planning and figure out what it is. And, and just crossing your fingers and hoping it doesn't apply to you 
really probably isn't the best method. Long-term care facilities, are they like the medical field where they just completely overcharge ridiculous amounts? Uh, I mean, obviously, there's some of that that goes along everywhere. But at the same time, if you think about needing 24-hour, around-the-clock care, a place to live, because that's essentially what you're doing in a long-term care facility. You're living there, and somebody's watching you 24 hours a day. And there has to be not just skilled help, but also a nurse on facility. You have to have, you know, a lot of provisions in place for people who are in wheelchairs, for people who need assistance with everything, medical dispensement. You know, I don't know. I, I, I'm certainly not a healthcare administrator, but I can see how the costs would careen out of control pretty quickly. And, you know, we can talk about how one pays for that, but you better have a plan in place to at least address it. Yeah. Let's talk about how to pay for, pay for that. Yeah, well, everybody kind of has a plan already. And the, the plan, if you, you know, everybody listening is probably going, what's my plan? Well, you can, your plan is if you ignore it, you're going to blow through all your money for the most part. And then when you're broke, Medicaid picks up the tab. So there's two parts to our health care system. There's Medicare, which is retiree health care insurance, and Medicaid, which is for people who are, you know, essentially incapable of paying for their own health care to any capacity. And Medicaid currently picks up the tab. As a matter of fact, and Joe Biden's, you know, Build Back Better plan, he called for an increase in Medicaid funding for home-based and community care. So being able to keep people at home rather than going into long-term care facilities uh, and having some Medicaid component pay for that because, again, uh, most people don't have any sort of plan in place. Now, the downside of that is if you look at, you know, we hear a lot of uh, things about Social Security and how it's going to run out of money. And we hear about Medicare and what a challenge it is. If you look at those three components, Medicare, Medicaid, and uh, Social Security, uh, I would argue with future liabilities at stake with baby boomers reaching, uh, you know, the older ages and retiring, you know, hundreds of thousands, it seems, by the minute, uh, Medicaid is drastically underfunded. So will that same program be available 10 or 20 years from now? Will Medicaid exist in the same capacity that it does today to pay for our aging population and their care? I don't know if that's sustainable. So knowing that, you should probably have an alternative plan. There's a bunch of ways you can do that. You know, one of the ways would be, well, let's set up some trust work so that I can look broke faster, quite frankly, um, so that I can preserve dollars for my surviving spouse, for my family, for additional elements of my care. Another way would be, uh, how do I, you know, potentially buy an insurance policy of some kind to help supplement that program? And I say supplement because usually by the time somebody wants a, uh, a true long-term care policy that will cover for all of their care, the costs are so high that it becomes prohibitive. So, you know, you want to try and take almost like when we talk about retirement in a three-pronged approach, you want to have three sources of income. Well, when it comes to medi- uh you know, when it comes to long-term care planning, I think you have to have a multi-pronged approach too. You know, it'd be great if we could all just have full coverage through insurance, go wherever we want to go. And obviously that's ideal, but it's not available for everybody. It's just not feasible for everyone. So you have to start looking at other methods. Do I do some trust work? Do I do a supplemental policy that covers some of it? Uh, what are the best approaches? But the point in all of this is you need to at least investigate it and not just cross your fingers and hope it's all going to work out. Okay. And what about there's insurance policies out there? Uh, there certainly are. You know, there's, there's a bunch of different policies that you can utilize for long-term care. I think the one that gets the most notoriety is probably the one that most people would like to avoid, and that is traditional long-term care. And, and the reason people don't like traditional long-term care is it works much like auto insurance. 
for the most part. You pay every single year. Premiums can go up every single year. There's really no cap on how high those premiums can go. And a lot of times, you know, if, well, if you don't use it, you lose it. So if you end up dying with this long-term care policy but never went into the long-term care facility, well, you just paid for this insurance policy that you didn't get anything out of. And sometimes, because costs are going up so rapidly, the cost of those premiums are going up as well, uh, you might pay for 5, 10, 15 years, and by the time you actually get to an age where it, it looks like you might need it, the cost of the insurance became cost prohibitive, and you just walk away from it, and all that money goes down the drain. So hybrid policies have become much more popular, and hybrid policies are essentially a life insurance policy with a long-term care benefit. So the benefit to these are, like with all life insurance policies, you can lock in your premiums. You know what you're going to pay every year for whatever duration you pick. So there's no surprises. Two, if you don't use the long-term care benefit, there is a death benefit attached to it. Now, granted, this might not benefit you while you're alive, but at least you know that your premiums didn't just go for nothing. Your beneficiaries will receive a dollar amount, usually in excess of what you paid. So you didn't lose the money, you just lose the, you lost the opportunity cost for you to use the money. And then in the event that you go into a long-term care facility, that life insurance policy has like a, uh, think of a, a life insurance uh, accelerated rider, but on steroids. So where you might get you know $100,000 worth of death benefit, you might have triple that amount for the benefit of long-term care. Now, will that cover all of it? Well, obviously, it depends on how long you stay in the facility. But will that supplement it and provide you a lot more options? Of course. So those are the types of policies that we look at. And obviously, they're not for everybody. But for some, they can be hugely beneficial. I have two questions for you. So what age should you start taking this type of policy out? And then with this type of insurance, does the long-term care facility find out what insurance you have first before they charge you? Um, yes and no. It depends on the, so I'll address the last question first. It depends on the long-term care insurance that you have and whether or not that particular facility looks at that first or second. It also depends on how you earn, you own that policy. So again, this can get very nuanced, but the moral of the story here is you want to make sure that you own that policy in the most efficient way so it doesn't harm you. So you had also asked what age and Honestly, you know, when most people start looking at long-term care, it's kind of like life insurance. You know, when do people want to buy life insurance? When they find out they don't have a lot of time left, which is the worst possible time because you probably can't even get the insurance. Well, similarly, people start looking at long-term care whenever they find out they have an ailment that points them in a direction that they think they're probably going to need long-term care. That is too late. So the perfect age would be somewhere in your 50s, mid-50s, late 50s. So somewhere in your 50 range, start looking. Reason why? It'll be far less expensive because you're still young and healthy, hopefully. Um, and you have a much more, uh, you have a longer time period in your highest earning years between when you get the policy and when you're probably going to retire to fully fund the policy. So by the time retirement rolls around, you no longer have to worry about that payment. And by that, I mean, you can actually structure these. So you go, I'm going to pay for 10 years and then I'm done paying, but I still have the, the insurance in place. Is this something that we need to go through a financial advisor for or something we can buy on, on our own? Well, it is insurance. So for the most part, the way that I see it is you can only really find it through an advisor. I, I don't see, you know, like uh, term insurance, you'll see a lot of ads on television, you know, call us. And, and ultimately that's going through an advisor just through that, that particular uh, TV ad or whatever it might be. But ultimately, all insurance policies have to go through a licensed agent. So your best approach is contact a fiduciary, number one, who's also insurance licensed, because then you know that it's not just this is the product that I'm peddling, 
and this is me trying to fit, you know, a square peg in a round hole, we will shop all of the different contracts available to find out which one is best for you. And I'm back to my question of do they look at your insurance first? Because in the medical field, there's the cash price and there's the insurance price. So I'm curious to see if this long, if the long-term care facility runs like a hospital. Yeah, and I think what you're saying here is, you know, if I go to – I give an example. I got an MRI not too long ago, and I, I call the place and say, I'm, you know, how much does it cost? And they say, well, if you run it through your insurance, it's $2,500. But if you pay cash, it's 600 bucks or something like that, right? Because they know that – the uh, the medical facility knows that as soon as they go through insurance, insurance isn't going to pay twenty five hundred bucks. They're going to adjudicate it down to twelve hundred, and then they'll be lucky to collect you know in a six month time window or something like that. With these types of contracts, there's a bunch of different types, but the ones that we look at are purely once you qualify. So let's say that you've met, and the way you qualify for long term care is something called ADLs, activities of daily living. And to qualify for a long term care facility, you have to not be able to do two of them. And some of those are things like, you know, bathing, changing your clothes, feeding yourself, et cetera. So obviously these, these sound awful, but remember we're going into a long-term care facility. Once you qualify for a long-term care facility, that benefit is turned on. The facility doesn't necessarily need to know on all, poli- on all these policies that you even have it to begin with. The policy pays you. You use it for whatever benefit you want. So if you want to have home care, for example, fine, use it for home care. You want to go in a long-term care facility? Fine. Use it for a long-term care facility. There are others, though, that you're absolutely right. They will work directly with your facility, and that can be a detriment potentially. So you have to pick the right one. So I guess very long-winded answer to they can work both ways. Okay. Excellent. I like that. I like that you can uh, just get the money and, and, and use it how you want. Uh, not that I don't trust people, but anyway, to schedule an appointment to go through the Aptus Blueprint process, Josh's number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. And you can join Josh as he talks retirement every Monday with Bruce Hooley at 12.30 p.m. right here on 98.9 The Answer. The recording you can always find at aptuswealth.com. More with Josh Pick when we come back. We'll be back with more at the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick at 98.9 The Answer. To create a successful retirement plan in today's economy, it takes a customized, solutions-based approach. At Aptus Wealth Management, founder Josh Pick calls it the Aptus Blueprint, and it's focused on managing risk instead of chasing returns. If you're working with another advisor or simply want a second opinion, put his team to work for you. To schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more about the Aptus Blueprint process, contact Josh at 614-364-7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. There is no cost or obligation, but space is limited. To start your plan, call 614-364-7300. 7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your own planning session and to learn new strategies to manage risk, Give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Josh, you've heard of Barstool Sports, correct? I have heard of them, yes. Okay. So it's a big sports, social media. They talk sports. They have videos. They're on all kind of sports media platforms. Well, their owner, Dave Portnoy, also has like an offshoot of the business where he day trades, and he's called Dave Day Trader Portnoy. 
Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but I wanted to get I'm your th- okay. I wanted to get your thoughts on the potential pros and cons of day trading. Well, I mean, the obvious con is you can lose a lot of money day trading, but <laughs> yes. you know, I mean, and I've seen that happen. You know, quite frankly, you know, here's an int- just interesting thoughts on day trading in general. If you have been a day trader over the last since 2009, for the most part, if you just picked stocks in the S and P 500, you've probably done pretty well. Because the stock market has done nothing but go up for the last 13 years. Until the last two months, the stock market has gone up like a rocket ship. So even if you had some blips where you were day trading and you screwed up, probably rebounded and did really well. And I'm sure that this particular day trader has plenty of scenarios where he said, well, I've doubled what the market's done or whatever it is. This exact same phenomenon happened back in the late 90s, from 1995 to 1999. And unfortunately, I can tell you that during that time period, I was pretty new in the business, and I had plenty of friends that were uh, day trading and doing options. And the reason for it, well, I mean, the market was going up like a rocket ship. And if you were picking the right stocks, think of, you know, Microsoft or all the stocks back in the day that were going up like crazy, you could do really, really well. And also on top of that, you know, remember, we have a all of us kind of have this desire to feel like we're really intelligent. um, And it made you feel smart. I know what I'm doing. Unfortunately, we know what happened in 2001 and 2002. And that was that those same dot com stocks that everybody was buying, uh, that bubble burst, those valuations were out of whack. And people lost a lot of money, the NASDAQ going down, you know, the better part of 80%. So I'm starting to hear the same rumblings. And and fortunately, I have the benefit of being around for a while, not being an advisor for the last 10 years, but being an advisor for the last 20 plus years. So I've seen this movie before and I've seen uh, how it looks when it ends. Now, you'll also start hearing stuff during this time period. Again, I I don't know this gentleman, but I'm guessing that you'll start hearing things like these old rules of thumb or these old valuation methodologies, or even let's throw somebody like Warren Buffett or, you know, insert some trader that's been fantastic for decades and decades. Let's say he's lost it. He doesn't know what he's talking about anymore. Valuations don't mean anything. It's all a hype train or whatever their methodology is. Candlestick trading. You'll hear all these fancy plays on words, if you will. The downside is you lose a lot of money really, really fast. So, you know, I'm certainly not a a fan of day trading, I guess, if you haven't figured that out. Uh, I think certain people will do really well, but certain people will get absolutely murdered. And the people who day trade will tell you about their victories, but they'll never tell you about their defeats. The other thing that I have a problem with day trading on is if you really start talking to day traders, most of the time, none of them are doing it with a large sum of money. Let me give you an example. I'll have somebody come into my office and they have a million dollars in investments. $950,000 of that is invested in a well-diversified portfolio of all the things that we've been doing for the last, you know, 50 years. The other 50 grand they're day trading with, and they're buying stocks for a thousand bucks and flipping it back and forth. And then they'll tell you about the time they turned, I did a 300% rate of return in two days. Well, really what they just said is they turned a thousand into 3000, but they're not doing that with everything. So what that tells me is, although they like to gamble, they are not comfortable enough to do it with their retirement. They're only doing it with a small amount. Now, what advantage would this particular, you you called it Barstool Sports, he's he's got a different avenue of his business, right, where he's doing day trading? Yeah. I'm just going to go on, I'm just going to guess. He probably has a platform where people can sign up and pay a fee to do day trading, right? I, I think so, yeah. Probably, right? So let's encourage people to do that. 
Let's tell them to come over here. And even though uh, basically it's gambling, you're just guessing. I was you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. I was going to say you think it's gambling then. Totally gambling. And I have friends that day trade and the mental anguish that they go through. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because you can't win human nature. It, it's like if you're, you know, playing playing money at the casino. If you win right away, then you are – it's hard to walk away from the table. Uh, and if you lose, then you're always – I mean, you're regretting it both ways. If you win and win a little, you always think you could have won more. So in day trading, yeah. you could have – did you sell, sell too early and then the stock goes – goes higher and you already sold and then you're just kicking yourself. I mean, it's just like a mental weight, mental anguish, I call it. And I just, I just tell them stop. <laughs> well, there's certainly people that, that have a very analytical approach to this. So for those of you who are listening that go, you know, I, I know what I'm doing. I'm playing spreads. I'm doing, I'm doing covered calls. I'm doing these different things. All right, fair. You know what you're doing and you're making money off of it. So I'm not, I'm not directly attacking those folks. However, let's talk about day trading. Anytime somebody comes in, I go, why are you buying the stock? And they never have a good reason. Uh, the only reason is, well, you know, I've heard that they might or come out with this new drug. You heard that they might. Okay. Um, or, um, you know, I'm going to sell out now, and when the market plummets, I'm going to buy back in. Okay, so what's going to have to happen for you to buy back in? Well, I don't know. It's going to have to plummet. Well, that's kind of a generic word. I mean, plummet by what? And what market are we talking about? What segment? It, 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 their strategy falls apart. Really, what they're doing is just going off of emotion. They're just, they're just, it just feels right. Uh, I feel like Under Armour is going to go up, so I'm going to buy it. And when it does, I'm going to sell it when I make X percent, which is a completely arbitrary percent. These aren't analysts, you know, analyzing data and coming up with a logical strategy. Most day traders are just, they're just swinging for the fences and hoping it works. And you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, it's been proven time and time again that losses hurt the human psyche two times more than the gain feels good. So when they lose, then their, their propensity to make a more illogical decision grows. And you end up potentially having the chance to chase your tail. So all I'm going to tell you is if you think I'm full of malarkey, that's fine. Just don't bet the farm on it. If you think that you can outpace general, you know, time-tested strategies, then take, you know, a small chunk of your portfolio, 5%, try and swing for the fences with it. Go after it. And if 10 years from now you're still winning, well, then, you know, you have a leg to stand on. But just because you've been winning over the last three months following Reddit, don't bet your whole life on the fact that the market last year went up like a rocket ship and you somehow were able to make money off of it. It just doesn't always go up. Think about the fact that if you came out of college or you went into the workforce in 2009, you have never seen a down market, ever. Not substantial, at least. You've never seen a market that went down more than 4%. That is not the way the market has reacted over longer periods of time. Um, so you're, you're, you're tap dancing on the minefield. We'll leave it at that. I think I've beaten that horse dead enough, Diane. We got, we got how you feel, for sure. This is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Peck. I'm Diane Brennan. To schedule your own planning session and to learn new strategies to manage risk, call Josh at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Josh, market volatility is something we hear a lot. Uh, what And we're just talking about with day trading. What are some trusted do's and don'ts to help navigate a market like that? Well, I think day trading is a perfect segue into this. So we had talked about, you know, why would you buy something and why would you sell it and what would the variance be and why as a day trader, what are you basing your decisions off of? 
Well, investing is basing your decisions off of calculatable, measurable things that make sense. For example, if you own Coca-Cola, let's just use that as a company example, and uh, you believe that Coca-Cola is a great long-term hold, you believe that the price that you bought them at was good, you believe that they have a huge barrier to entry, that they're not going to suffer in any way in the long run, and it's a great stock that's going to pay you dividends for years to come then what happens in the short run volatility of that stock should be absolutely irrelevant to you. Other than if you were really liked it at $20 a share and it falls to $15 a share, you could argue you should buy more. However, just saying, I want to sit this one out, I'm going to get out because it's scary, means that you didn't know why you bought it to begin with. And I think that you know, that's the hugest risk. I've said it a million times before. The only danger of, of not being invested in the market at all to, hunt, to hedge against inflation is buying into the market and then getting out at the worst time. So, you know, if, if this recent volatility is really giving you heartburn, know that the stock market year to date is only down less than just shy of 9%. If you're in your, let's say, 50s, Know that you're going to see a market decline, if history repeats itself, of more than 20% at least four more times in your lifetime. So if, if 9% is making you lose your mind, wait until it hits 20. And then you have the propensity or the, the, you'll probably end up making an illogical decision. So how do we deal with market volatility? Well, there's a couple ways. Um, one, invest in a way uh, or invest in a fund that is tactical. Tactical funds have the ability to put uh, kind of bookends on, on the bottom side of your investment portfolio. There are ways to say, come hell or high water, I don't want to lose more than 10% in a market cycle. Now, are you giving up some of the top to do that? Of course. Um, insurance companies have a way of doing this as well through the use of annuities, for example. Uh, I know I'm giving up some of the top, but I, I want to get rid of the lion's share of the bottom. It would just make me feel more comfortable. And I would certainly like to see people... You know, you could say, well, you know, that that sounds like a very expensive way. I'm giving up some of the upside uh, of investing in the market. Well, you're right. Uh, I'm not declining that at all. But if it enables you to participate at all, it gives you the best gauge to hedge against inflation. Because bonds are not going to be a great hedge against inflation. CDs and, and, and money markets certainly aren't getting you there right now. You need to have some exposure to an asset class that's going to outpace inflation. And whatever way you need to achieve that, you need to try to achieve it. Um, so... Know your options and try and put yourself in a scenario that you can tolerate. Have a plan to understand what market volatility looks like and how it affects you. And then just run with the plan. Um, And I know that may sound oversimplified, but the fact of the matter is if you would have bought the S&P 500 20 years ago, you would have been rewarded very handsomely. However, you would have lived through two very terrible times already. You would have lived through 2001, 2002, I guess if we say 22 years ago. Um, at which point, you know, your investments lost roughly 50%. And then you went through the financial crisis in 08 09, and you lost roughly 50%. But how were you rewarded? Double-digit returns on average over that period of time, which means you probably have, over that period of time, triple, if not quadruple, the amount of money that you had in 2000. If you're not comfortable with that roller coaster ride, you need to build a strategy that alleviates some of that. Josh's number is 614-364-7300. More with Josh Pick when we come back. 
If you're concerned about the market and you want to learn new strategies to manage retirement risks, call our office to learn more about the Aptus Retirement Blueprint today at 614-364-7300. There's no cost or obligation, but space fills fast. Give us a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint radio show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Peck. To schedule your own planning session and to learn new strategies to manage risk, call Josh at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Josh, what are the biggest tax breaks people should maximize when it comes to retirement accounts? Well, the easiest one is probably provided for you right at work. And that is either a 401k or 403b or 457 or some sort of, you know, numbers and alphabet soup nonsense that your employer offers you. Uh, For the most part, all of those 457, 403b, and, and the reason that they're different numbers like that, by the way, is it's just the line in the tax code that applies to your particular job or employment. So if you're uh, a teacher, for example, you're going to have a, a TSA or 403B. If you work for you know Chase here in town, you're going to have a 401K. If you're a police officer, you're going to have a 457. It, it, for the most part, they're all the same. And by the same, I mean it's money that you put into a retirement account that goes in pre-tax. So you know tax breaks, if you will, or, or getting you know preferential tax treatment. Every dollar you put into those accounts goes in before you pay taxes on them. It grows tax deferred while you're still working, which means the money that you otherwise would have paid taxes on is now getting a return on top of it. Some people will call it double compounding. You know, not only do I get a gain on the money that I invested, but I get a gain on the money that I got to invest because I didn't pay taxes. So on that taxable money. Um, And then the downside to it, though, is when you hit retirement, you have to pay taxes on every dollar you pull out of it, dependent upon your tax bracket. That could be you know, a good thing, more beneficial than paying the taxes today, or it could be a detriment, meaning you would be better off paying the taxes today and investing in the other option, which is the Roth version of that. So there's traditional 401ks, traditional IRAs, traditional 403bs, and then there's Roth 401ks and Roth IRAs. The difference between the two is the Roth IRA or Roth 401k is putting money in, again, probably available through your employer, putting money in after tax but that money grows tax deferred. So it's the same in the middle, but then every nickel you pull out of it, as long as you've had that, uh, that account in force for five years is tax free. So, you know, easy math, I suppose, the younger you are, the more advantageous a Roth is versus a traditional, because you have more time to build up the gains inside of the account and the gains are then tax free. So, you know, it's, it's conceivable to think that if you're in your twenties, every hundred dollars you put into your Roth will quintuple by the time you retire. So a hundred will be 200, 400, 800, $3,200. So that's $3,100 of tax-free gains, assuming you invested in the market to some capacity. So that Roth is very, very beneficial for younger people. As we get older, Well, now the math gets a little bit more complicated, particularly as we get into our higher earning years. So if you're one of those fortunate people that, uh, you know, did all the right things, busted your butt, ended up getting to a point where you're making a very substantial income 
and let's say you're making three, four, five hundred thousand dollars a year, but when you retire, you only plan on living on fifty thousand. This is just a small window of time when you're making a lot of money. That means you're in one of the top tax brackets. It may be more beneficial to get the tax break today and pay the taxes when you retire. So it's not as simple as, you know, and I know we all like to have these kind of rules of thumb, always do this or always do that. It's not quite that simple. Um, you have the choice and you can change that choice all the time. The decision could be half and half. Also note that when you do this, if you're at an employer that has a match, your match will always go in in the traditional method, meaning your match will always go in pre-tax and it will then be taxed when you hit retirement. So only your contributions can go in to the Roth component. Then the next easiest step, and I'm trying to go for the easy stuff here, is you can also do an IRA. So you've already done your 401k, you've maxed all that out, or you know maybe you want different investment options, or there's a bunch of reasons why you might want to do a traditional IRA that you invest on your own. You have the ability to do a traditional or Roth IRA, and depending upon your age, even do a catch-up provision, and you can further save on a pre-tax or in that Roth environment on your own. And the benefit between your employer plan and this individual plan is you get to decide the investments on your individual plan, whereas your employer is going to give you a certain amount of finite choices uh, when you go through them. So uh, you want to kind of do some analysis there. What makes more sense? Is my employer plan a good plan? Do I like the investments? Is it is it not too expensive? Because there's obviously fees with both of these structures. Which one makes more sense for me? And then, you know, the next easiest approach for tax deferral that undoubtedly all of us will end up using is something called a health savings account, or you'll hear the term HSA thrown around. You know, our biz, our companies or our business is very much acronym based. So if you're HSA, they're talking about a health savings account. That is really cool and that it works kind of like both. So you put the money in pre-tax. You don't get taxed on the money today. It grows tax deferred. You can invest it if you like, or you can just leave it in cash. Uh, but you can invest it much like a 401k if you choose. Put it out in the stock market. If you're uh, young, that would make sense. But then every nickel you take out of it, as long as you use it for healthcare expenses, is completely tax free. So if you think about this, if you go to the doctor and you're paying your copay, and you go, well, I pay my copay directly out of my pocket, but you know I try and write it off on my taxes. Chances are you don't actually get to write it off on your taxes because there's some thresholds there. So chances are you're just paying for that money. You're just paying for that copay with after-tax dollars. You actually have the ability to pay for that copay with pre-tax dollars. You just have to set up an HSA. Now, of course, there's you know, things you have to qualify for an HSA because you have to have a, uh, you know, a high deductible plan. But for the most part, Diane, every plan is a pretty high deductible plan until you get to Medicare. So you probably qualify. Take a look at it. There's three real easy ways to put away pre-tax money or at least money that's going to grow tax deferred and be tax-free potentially even in the long run. Is there a maximum you can put into an HSA? There's a maximum that you can put in an HSA, and there's a maximum that you can put in a, a 401k and a Roth IRA and a traditional IRA. There's maximums for all of this stuff. Um, and it's going to be, you know, the HSA is a little different. The maximum for a 401k is, you know, everybody gets kind of the same maximum unless you qualify for a catch-up, which means you're over the age of 50. Same with an IRA. Everybody gets the same maximum. You know, everybody can put a $6,000 into a Roth or a traditional IRA. If you're over the age of 50, you can put in another 1000 With an HSA, it's a little different. There's an individual amount that you can put in, and then there's, if you're a family, the amount that you can put in. And I want to say, and I'm probably way off here, Diane, I don't know them off the top of my head, but I want to say it's about $3,600 for an individual, and then for a family, it goes up over 7000 But uh, that changes every year, and I just don't know the numbers off the top of my head. But if you think about it, if I was going to put, you know, call it 20500 which is the maximum for a 401k, I believe, this year, and then you do an additional 
$6,000 into your IRA. This is assuming you're under the age of 50. We're already at almost 27,000. And then I throw another three grand plus into my, uh, into my HSA. You can really put away a lot of pre-tax dollars and lower your tax bill. And asking for a friend, what is this catch-up provision? <laughs> Why are you uh, so laughing? The ketchup, uh, the, the, well, just asking for a friend. So the catch-up provision is for people that are a lot older than you and I, of course, okay. uh, that are age 50, just joking. But you can put in an additional 1000 bucks, And the reason for that is, you know, once you get over the age of 50, you're probably in your highest earning years. And many of us, you know, many of us got a little behind the eight ball. Um, and we know that we need to save more. So the IRS gives you the option to throw in an additional $1,000 a year to try and, quote, catch up for the time maybe that you missed in those high earning years between the ages of 50 and retirement. And that was how much again, sorry? It's a thousand bucks extra. Okay, perfect. Yeah, but for your 401k, it's actually a lot more than that. For your 401k, I believe it's an extra, uh, I think it's an extra 6,000 bucks. Okay, and nothing extra for the HSA? Actually, I think it's 6,500 bucks. Uh, So you theoretically, if you're over the age of 50, you could put $27,000 a year into your 401k. Okay, well, I'm gonna tell my friend that. Okay, this, good. <laughs> this is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your own planning session and to learn new strategies to manage risk, call Josh at 614-364-7300. 614-364-7300. Josh, speaking of taxes, how can strategically planning for inheritance, charitable giving, and estate management help reduce what Uncle Sam takes? Oh, it can be very, very dramatic. Let me just address the easiest way, I think. So you said, you know, charitable giving. So when the Trump tax plan went through, it became very, very difficult moving forward for people to get the full benefit of charitable giving. And the reason for that was our just our standard deduction so high. So if you're a married couple, for the most part, you're getting roughly $25,000 as a standard deduction. But what can you write off in your itemized deductions? Well, you can only write off your state, local, and real estate taxes up to $10,000 the interest on your mortgage, and then your charitable giving. Those are the three things. So remember, it starts at 25,000. So let's say that the interest on your house, you know, remember we're at 3% interest rates and let's say you owe $200,000 on your house, uh, that's only six grand. So between your first two options, you only have $16,000 in total possible deductions. Well, then I have to do at least an additional $9,000 worth of charitable giving before it even starts benefiting me. Because remember, you get the grade over your standard deduction or your itemized. So I'm not getting the credit for my charitable contribution until I get into a very significant amount. But let's say you're 72 years old and you have those pesky minimum required distributions that we all have to take out of a, out of a qualified plan. And those minimum required distributions are essentially an amount that the IRS sets that says once you're 72, you've been kicking the can on taxes inside of your qualified plans for a really long time. And now you have to take some money. You can actually donate that money directly to your charity, and it's like it never happened, meaning that you satisfy your minimum required distribution, but you didn't have to pay taxes on it. It is not an itemized deduction, so it doesn't go on that the itemized deduction page of your tax return. It literally is just a tax-free withdrawal. And the way that you do that is you have your institution that's managing your your money, let's say TD Ameritrade, for example, you have them send the check directly to your church, to your charity of choice. So oftentimes what I see when clients come in is they go, you know, I, I, I tithe at my church and I like to tithe, you know, X dollars per month. And, uh, I take money out of my IRA to do it. And then I send it to the church. They're actually paying taxes. They don't need to be. 
They should just have those contributions going directly from their IRA to their church. Now, what's the benefit of that? Well, it depends on your tax bracket, but it could obviously be very substantial. It could be as much as a 37% federal savings, or you could say, I'm going to give 37% more to my charity of choice. There's a lot of instances with things like this. Remember, it's the federal government. It's the tax code. It's a very complicated thing, and it's definitely not leaning in your favor in the way of throwing it in your face on what things you can do that are very easy. So you have to go digging and you have to work with a professional. But let's go through some other things. Um, let's say inheritance, for example. Well, as of right now, um, there's something called step up in basis. So if you own individual stocks, when you die, even though you've had them uh, at a very low cost basis for a very long period of time, let's say you bought a stock you know, 50 years ago for 10 bucks and now it's worth a thousand bucks. If you sold that today, you would pay the taxes or the capital gains on it. If you die holding it, it goes to your beneficiaries at the new basis or essentially tax-free. Good to know. Um, but there's other ways that you could solve that problem because one of the fears that we have is, is that step up in basis going to be there forever? You know, the Biden administration has many times mentioned they'd like to remove that. Now, whether or not they get that done is yet to be seen. And personally, I don't think they will. But let's say that they do. Well, then having a market correction and potentially, let's say, transferring some of our assets from a traditional IRA to a Roth during that market correction, because we have a lower basis. And you'd say, are you really, at, are you really saying that having you know, a market correction is a good thing? Well, if you're a long-term investor, it actually is. If you want to convert a traditional IRA that has $100,000 in it, and we have a 50% market correction, well, then you get to convert it at 50. Now, you didn't sell any stocks. You didn't do anything with your investments. You were planning on holding on to it anyway. Well, now you're able to convert what really is, you know, a paper loss of $50,000 over a longer period of time and convert that into a Roth at a much lower tax bill. And there's many things, Diane, too, that you can do with estate planning and, you know, offsetting capital gains and, you know, making sure that you, you're always evaluating Roth conversions every single year. You know, I gave you an example of that big market drop, but you should be looking at that every single year. You know, giving money to your friends, family, whoever you want to give it to while you're still alive using that charitable giving allowance. There's a bunch of things that you can do to really move the needle while you're alive. But the, the key is here, just like we always say, you have to be proactive and you actually have to do it. If you wait until, you know, kind of at the end of the road and you're going, I really want to make some changes, you had to be incrementally making those changes along the way um, to get the most bang for your buck. Yeah, it sounds like I need a professional that I can't figure this out myself and a lot of people listening as well. So I'm going to give everybody Josh's number. <laughs> If you're, feel, if you're feeling as overwhelmed as I am, uh, Josh's number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. And you can always join Josh as he talks retirement with Bruce Hooley every Monday at 1230 p.m. right here on 98.9 The Answer. You can always find that recording at aptuswealth.com. More with Josh Pick when we come back. We'll be back with more at the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick at 98.9 The Answer. To create a successful retirement plan in today's economy, it takes a customized, solutions-based approach. At Aptus Wealth Management, founder Josh Pick calls it the Aptus Blueprint, and it's focused on managing risk instead of chasing returns. If you're working with another advisor or simply want a second opinion, put his team to work for you. To schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more about the Aptus Blueprint process, contact Josh at 614-364-7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. There is no cost or obligation, but space is limited. To start your plan, call 614-364-7300. 7300 or visit aptuswealth.com.
Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Peck. To schedule your own planning session and to learn new strategies to manage risk, call Josh at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Josh, do you have any words of advice for those who've had a tremendous run in the past couple of years thanks to red-hot stocks and are thinking about retiring early in the coming months or, or year? Well, there's been a lot of them that have actually taken that plunge. I think the the stats are that the retiree population is up by like 19% of wow. early retirees over last year because of this red hot run. And what is that red hot run? Well, if you think about on average, you know, the stock market's really uh, returned uh, over the last 22 years. If you go back to 2000, it's been right around in the, about the six range as an average annual. But if you look over the last five years, it's been multiples of that. So that red hot run has really pushed up the timetable for some people. But the the problem can still remain that that can put them in a position where they're overweighted in certain categories. Let me give an example. Let's say that you're com- you were comfortable with having 40% of your money in safe stuff and 60% of your money in more aggressive stuff. Well, it's very possible that with the low interest rates and the stock market being as hot as it is, that your portfolio could look a lot more like, you know, maybe 80% aggressive and only 20% safe. And sometimes we get a little overzealous in our, uh, what we perceive to be our understanding of the market. And we will stay longer at that blackjack table than we probably need to. Now, I'm not suggesting that everybody moves safe. And I'm not suggesting that I think the stock market's going to implode anytime soon. But what I am suggesting is that you should take this time to reevaluate what your goals are and adjust accordingly. Um, You know, that whole hogs get fat and pigs get slaughtered thing kind of comes to mind. And if you stay at the trough too long, uh, you might be the latter. And what I've seen throughout decades of doing this is people will run that all the way up and think they're a hero and then it will have a correction and people will get out and never go back in. When if they had a plan in place and they had a more reasonable allocation They probably could have weathered the storm moving forward and they would have been better off in the long run because they would have stayed invested. And the only way that you can make money in the stock market predictably over the long run is to stay invested. And people say, well, you could make more money if you knew exactly when to get out and exactly when to get in. Well, that worked. Reference back to uh, a couple of segments ago when we talked about day trading. It hasn't proven to be a long-term strategy for anyone, including the smartest among us. So, Uh, And by the way, going back to that, if somebody is offering you some sort of program uh, for $59.95 that's going to show you how to make 100% rates of return every year, don't believe it. I mean, if you can make 100% rates of return every year, do you need to be selling things for $59.95? I mean, if you think about that, if you had a million dollars, that means you're making literally a million dollars every year just trading. And it's always, you know, trade in your home for, you know, only 15 minutes a day and you can double your money don't fall victim to that nonsense. But just to argue with that, there's a lot of people that are wealthy that, you know, sell these things because once they get wealthy, then they just want more. They want more. They want to give back. Um, I agree with that to a certain capacity. However, when you're talking about returns like double, you know, get 20% guaranteed returns per month, sometime when you're bored, I want you to hop into Excel and put in $10. And then I want you to have it go up by 300% a year every year and uh, see what kind of numbers you're spitting out in 10 years. 
Um, there's no one on the planet that would want to set that would want to spend uh, any time of their lives trying to peddle books for 1995 if they were doing those kind of returns, because they would literally be making billions of dollars a year. You can't sell enough books to equate to that. So it, it obviously can't be true. Now, and if it was true, they would manage money for people and make 5% a year on management expenses and make even far more money than the books. Anyway, if it sounds too good to be true, it usually is. Now, getting back to, you know, what should people do if they're looking at retirement and they've had this red hot run, uh, reevaluate, reallocate, and make sure you're still on the path that you thought you needed to be on before and make sure that you don't feel the erosion moving forward. That does not mean that you should go all the way to fixed. We have a lot of challenges ahead of us. We have high inflation. We have really low real interest rates. And by real interest rates, I mean there's interest rates and then there's what we call the real rate of return. And I won't bore you with all the details, but ultimately if you think about rates and then less inflation, so if you're getting a CD at the bank that's 5%, but inflation's only three, then you're actually making two because your money is going up faster than inflation. Well, right now we have inflation at six and the money at the bank's earning one. That is not gonna, you're actually getting poorer every year by leaving your money in the bank just by the erosion of inflation. So you certainly have to have some exposure to the markets. You certainly have to have some exposure to real assets. Um, I don't think that you should be investing heavily in bonds right now because interest rates and bonds are inversely proportional. So not only are you making very little in the bond market, but you have the ability to lose money in the bond market moving forward. And we've already seen that. If you look at 2021, the bond market was down. If you look at the aggregate bond index, it was down 2%. If you look year to date, it's down even more than that, just year to date. So you certainly have the ability to lose money. Well, certainly, you know, if you look at inflation being 6% and you lost 4 or 5% of your money, that's even worse than making one. So we have to have a strategy in place to accommodate for inflation. If you look at that real return avenue, um, it looks a lot like the early 70s, uh, the time period of stagflation, or it looks a little bit like the 40s, another time period of stagflation. We just come off of, you know, World War II, and we had interest rates that weren't keeping up with inflation. So you know, you definitely have to be invested in the market, but now is a time to reevaluate and not just go, it's worked for the last 10 years, so I'm going to roll with it. Maybe not the best approach. This is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Peck. To schedule your own planning session and to learn new strategies to manage risk, call Josh at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Josh, what are some regrets you've seen from people who've retired before the age of 65? Oh, fortunately, I haven't seen a lot of them because if they come to my office, they're probably, you know, proactive uh, and they're probably, you know, planning oriented and they're trying to get their ducks in a row and make sure they're making a logical decision. But I certainly have had uh, instances where I've overheard conversations or I've had people come in and, and I've run into them. But the biggest one would be I'm arbitrary age and uh, I've worked for X amount of years and I've earned it and I'm retiring. And, well, how do you know you can? Well, I've worked for 45 years of my life. I'm done. Okay, how do you know you can? Well, I, you know, I, I don't think I should have to work longer than that. Okay, I agree with all these things, but do you have enough saved? So one of the regrets I've, I've definitely run into is do I have enough saved? People retire because they feel like they deserve it, but they didn't do the things to actually be able to do it, and then it comes back to bite them. They didn't do the planning to know if their money would last. And now they're, you know, they retired at 65, they're 75, and they're looking down that barrel of a gun realizing that they're going to run out of money. That is certainly a regret. Now, I promise if you, 
you know, work with us, we'll make sure that doesn't happen. But you have to be proactive and actually do the planning to make sure that that won't happen. Um, the other one is not planning for medical insurance. You know, when you retire, everybody, uh, for the most part, gets, you know, in the United States at least, uh, at the age of 65, gets Medicare. Medicare will cover a decent amount of your medical expenses, but it certainly doesn't cover everything. And that's why most people get a Medicare supplement. And also they get Medicare Part D for their prescription drug. If they don't get Part D on time, they are penalized uh, for the rest of their life. So they end up paying more for it anyway, and they ended up needing it anyway. So get it on time. Not getting a supplement that matches your needs can mean that all of your medical costs are more expensive than you had planned on or should be paying. So not taking adequate inventory of your needs and buying the correct medical insurance and just paying the piper for it uh, can come back to bite you in the event that you really, really need it. The big one that I run into, so these are kind of down, you know, lack of planning uh, as it relates to finances. A big one is not planning for how you're going to spend your time. This one I do run into a lot. And it's one of the reasons that when you come into my office, I always ask everybody, okay, congratulations, you're going to retire. What are you going to do? Because I do have a lot of people that regret retiring without having a plan on how to spend their time. And just simply sitting in your house and saying, sweet, I don't have to go to work, is not a fulfilling life. So make sure that you have a plan on how you're going to spend your time and bring purpose back into your life now that you're out of the working environment. And Josh, when people come in to take the Aptus Blueprint process with you, can you explain the steps you go through? Sure. It's a four-step process. So step number one, we're just going to get to know you. We call it our discovery meeting. We're going to find out what you've been saving, what you want to do, what is your concept of retirement or whatever goal we might be discussing. Maybe it's saving for a child's education or, or whatever it might be. But let's take inventory of your life, what you've been doing and what you're trying to accomplish. Meeting number two, we'll just simply analyze that. So we're not going to reinvent the wheel. We're just going to show you if you continue to do what you're doing, saving the amount that you're saving, putting it where you're putting it with the level of insurance that you have, et cetera. We're taking a total financial analysis inventory and saying, well, your arrow hit the target. And then meeting number three, we call it the blueprint meeting. Uh, this is the meeting where we give you the, the guide and the blueprint to what changes need to be made to mitigate some risks that you might have had in your plan or to address any you know, shortfalls that you have in what you're trying to accomplish. And then not until meeting number four. So if you've been waiting for us to say, and by the way, we're going to try and sell you this product, that conversation's never going to happen. In meeting number four, we decide, is this a mutually beneficial relationship? And should we move forward in working with us? I can't promise that it'll be a perfect fit. And I can't promise that we are for everybody. But I can promise you that you will learn a lot along the way. And you'll be better for the time spent. Josh's number is 614-364-7300. That is 614-364-7300. Thanks, everyone, so much for joining us today. You've been listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with host Josh Pick. Josh helps guide his clients through retirement by managing risk instead of chasing returns. He calls it a blueprint, and you can get started at no cost or obligation. Give the team at Aptus Wealth a call today to schedule your consultation at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300 or online at aptuswealth.com. That's A-P-T-U-S wealth.com. To learn strategies to manage risk in the new economy, join us again next weekend right here at 98.9 The Answer.
Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to securities or investment advisory products. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing company. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.